seeing all the kids at all levels play. Um, Trish this week is in Fort Worth. Once a year, I let her go and spend some time. Uh, as many of you know, she was abandoned as, as a young child, and one of the families that helped raise her lives in Fort Worth. So once a year, I let her go up and spend a week with them. And so she's with them, and I pick her up from the airport tomorrow. And Bonnie left this morning to get on an airplane to go out to a youth pastor training out in Atlanta. So she was texting me from the airplane. Trisha was texting me a few minutes ago. They're all missing everybody, so you guys be praying for them. They'll have a good week. And especially pray for Nick because that means, come on, brother. Y'all know Nick's going to need food, so help him out, all right? <laughs> we don't want Nick to starve. You can come over to the house, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find something, some possum or something, Nick. We'll be all right. <laughs> hey, you can chicken fry anything, and it tastes good. Come on now. <laughs> if you... <laughs> Uh, well, I'd see what if the ushers will come forward this morning. We're going to take up our offering. Amen. Thank you for the faithfulness to the Lord. You got your Bibles? Let's lift them up this morning. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the speakers that I I heard this week was a a fascinating gentleman. His name is Mr. Merkert, and he is a specialist in missions worldwide. He's also a very learned man. He's uh, written a number of books, but he's considered one of the foremost specialists in the world about politics and and how Christianity spreads around the world. I mean, this guy hangs out with Harvard and Yale people. I mean, this is a very, very, very sharp man. And he gave us a report this week about the state of Christianity in the world, and in particular, about what's going on in our country. Um, It doesn't take a rocket scientist right now to recognize that our country's in a lot of trouble. And I know, and I I love history. I'm, I'm a junior historian, I guess. I love to look back and and study history, and, and like many of you, I'm disturbed about where we are. Our country is in a place that it's never been before, and we're treading on ground that we've never tread in before, and, and we're going to have to rise up as a church. He made a comment at the meeting, kind of stopped what he was doing and looked at us and said, gentlemen and ladies, he said, this next election next year will be the most important election in the history of our country. And he said, depending on that how election goes and whoever gets elected into office, one way or the other, however it goes, whoever holds that place will determine the future of the United States to a large degree because we will be vo- voting on morality or not. And he said, he said, and he was not understating or overstating that fact. He studies it, and he studies historically what's going on. And I want to encourage you, during this season, this is the time for the church to rise up. We do not need to be scared of what's going on in the world. We are God's people. And you know what? We're not subject to the world's economy or anything else in the economy. But I want you to understand something. It is our responsibility as Christians. This nation was founded as one nation under who? Under God. And it is time for the church to rise up. And so I am giving you a mandate. It is time for you to rise up. Somewhere along the line, a few hundred years ago or whatever, people in the United States decided that Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. That is wrong. That is a falsehood. 
God calls us to get involved in our society. And because of that, we're ending up where we are. Now it's time for the majority, the silent majority, to stand up. And so uh, I expect you to do that. There are some of you here today that God may be calling to run for office. If he's doing that, pray about it and do it. There are some of you here today that have not been involved in voting in the past. You need to stand up and do it. You know, we don't, have any, we don't have any right to curse the darkness if we're not willing to hold up a light. So I want to tell you right now, you need to hold up the light. Amen? And I want to tell you, just as you've seen one church, remember, when we started the backpack deal, there were 125 people in this church. And when we began to stand up and step out and do the things that God wanted us to do, see what's happened. See what's going on in our community, and we're just getting started. It's the same when we stand up and vote and get involved. Let your voice be heard. Amen? That's a little sideline note. Um, There are no notes on that this morning, but I just wanted to share that with you. We're going to talk today about a guy specifically who was going against the tide of what was going on around him in society. His name is Hezekiah. Everybody everybody say Hezekiah. Bless you. (laughs) It almost sounds like you're sneezing, doesn't it? Hezekiah. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, I make that stuff up as I go. Um, But it's true, this guy's name was Hezekiah. And and let's read a little bit. We're going to do a lot of reading out of 2 Chronicles this morning. But 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verses 20 through 21 says this. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord. Everybody say, what was good? What was was right? And what was true? But he did it before the Lord. In other words, what the Lord thought was good and right and true. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with what? All his heart. And what happened? He prospered. And so he prospered. The Bible describes King Hezekiah as a leader who did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began, he did it with all his heart. Hezekiah paid the price to get the job done. Hezekiah paid the price to get the job done. And that doesn't sound, I mean, you know, I know how it is when we study history. Sometimes it's difficult when we're studying history to be able to relate to the people in the story. So I did some studying about Hezekiah and when he became king. What the environment was like when he inherited the kingship. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to chapter 28, 2 Chronicles chapter 28. This won't be on the screens. But I want to tell you a little bit about what Hezekiah inherited. Number one on your notes. Well, let me read this and then I'll tell you what number one is. We're going to talk about Hezekiah's daddy for a minute. How many of you have a daddy? If you don't raise your hand, I mean, I'm a little concerned. (laughs) We all had a father, and this is Hezekiah's daddy. This is what Hezekiah was following as a king. Now, in the time and distress of King Ahaz, I'm starting with verse 22. King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which defeated him, saying, Because the gods of the king of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God. In other words, he went into the temple 
And he cut up in pieces the articles of the house of God. He shut up the doors to the house of the Lord. And he made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods. And he provoked the anger of the Lord. Let me tell you something about Ahaz. This is Hezekiah's daddy. And one of the commentaries that I was reading about King Ahaz said by many historians, he was recognized as the worst king in the history of Israel and Judah. This guy was recognized as the bottom of the bottom. And this is who Hezekiah is following. But this is also what Hezekiah has watched modeled his whole life. This is all he knows. When he became king, he was 25 years old. So for the last 25 years, this is what he's watched. And he's seen his country go into a dead spiral. And his father was the one recognized as the worst king that there was. He's got a lot stacked up against him, doesn't he? Let me ask you today, how many of you came from a pretty tough family background? Just slip your hand up. That's a lot to overcome, isn't it? It's a lot to overcome when you look and you realize your family history is rough. Your background is rough. The things that you've saw, seen and experienced in life are difficult. And that's what Hezekiah is dealing with. And now his dad dies and he becomes king. So Hezekiah has some decisions to make. Is he going to follow in daddy's footsteps? Or is he going to go a different direction? Number one on your notes is Hezekiah recognized that there was going to be a price for him to make changes in his own life and in the country. And the first thing that Hezekiah did was a change of lifestyle. Hezekiah recognized that he had to have a change of lifestyle. Hezekiah couldn't live the way that his father lived. He couldn't do what his dad did. If he wanted to be successful, he couldn't do what his father has done. But he recognizes that the whole country is doing this. It's not just King Ahaz. Everybody's doing this. And if he's going to make a change in the country, he's going to have to go against the popular flow. He's going to have to go against the opposite direction of what's going on. Have anybody in here ever been down to the river and tried to paddle upstream? Have you ever tried to do that? It's tough, isn't it? It's tough to paddle upstream. I mean, if you, if you do that for very long, I mean, pretty soon it becomes exhausting and you just want to go, I give up and just let go and wherever the stream takes me is where I'm going to go. That's what the crowd does. That's the crowd. The crowd is the river <clears throat> just kind of flowing down the stream and this is what everybody's doing and, well, you know, this is how we do things. And, and there are those few people that are willing to say, no more. And they're going to paddle upstream. But I want you to understand something. When you recognize that you're going to need a change of lifestyle, it could be exhausting. It can be exhausting. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He'd grown up with a poor example. But listen to this. He chose to follow God. And when he rose up, everything began to change around him. And I, and I want you to hear this. Listen to this. Um, Hezekiah, verse 29, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, chapter 29. And he, re, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Now listen to this. His mother's name was Abijah. 
Where do you think Hezekiah learned about being godly? Where do you think? It doesn't say, but I bet mama was the one that showed him what to do because daddy wasn't. And there was somewhere in this 25 years of everything going wrong around him that somebody was whispering to him about God. Somebody was teaching him about God. And I just have a suspicion it was his mom. And she's listed here. Great, great honor for her. And Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Notice it doesn't say his father Ahaz, does it? Says his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, listen to this. In the first month, he opened the door of the house of the Lord and he repaired the doors. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and he gathered them in the east square. And he said to them, hear me, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. And they have forsaken him. They've turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord, and they've turned their backs on him. Let me tell you something. Hezekiah recognized what was going on, but Hezekiah didn't mess around, did he? The first month, he's just king. And what is the first thing that he says? You know what? We're getting rid of everything that daddy did. All the bad that, that, that my dad did, all this past history that we've done, you know what, guys? We're taking it dead on. And here's what's interesting, and I want you to take some time this week. This is your, your homework this week. I want you to get into Second Chronicles, starting at verse 29, and I want you to read about Hezekiah, because I can't possibly cover everything today. It's amazing what this guy did. Amazing what this guy did. He went against the flow, not only of culture, but against some of the priests. Some of these priests weren't even willing to go along with him. And this guy said, you know what? If we're going to get different results in our life, we're going to have to change our lifestyle. You know, the layman's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And many of you right now in your own life, maybe things aren't going the way you want them to go in your life. And let me tell you, the reason they're not going that way is because you're really not making any changes in your life. And you want things to change, but until you're willing to paddle upstream, it's not going to change. God is not going to fight your will. It's your choice. And I want to tell you something, y'all. It's work. Hezekiah shows that. It is work. And so Hezekiah recognized that if he was going to get different results, he was going to have to change his lifestyle. But here's the thing that also mattered. In the first month, they cleaned up the temple. He started making all these massive changes, and they cleaned up the temple, and all of a sudden, blessings started to come. And, and in the second month of his reign, he declared a Passover. And here's what was so interesting. Usually they had to do the Passover in the first month, but they couldn't do that. And here's what the Bible tells us is that God had mercy on them. Even though they didn't exactly go by the book, God had mercy on them because of Hezekiah's heart. He, even though he had to do it a little bit different, his heart was so good and so true before the Lord that God blessed that. Matter of fact, the Lord talks about forgiving some of the things they did because Hezekiah was so passionate about getting things right. And in the first month, he got things cleaned up. In the second month, they had a revival. The second month of his reign, they had a revival. And things began to turn around in the country. I'm going to talk some more about that in a second. Number two on your notes. Number two. 
Hezekiah had to deal with loneliness. Hezekiah had to deal with loneliness. See, many times when you step out, you may be the only one. You may be the only one. But I want you to understand something. It begins with you. It begins with you. You have to make a quality decision to step out and make a change in your life. You know, we talk about this just because it's easy to do. You know, Mark recently, he and Patty did the thing about changing our eating habits and all those kind of things. How many of you don't like the way you, you look and feel right now? Let me see your hands. Okay. Pregnant people don't count, Tana. You can't do that. You, you got to, as the Bible says, in due season that will change, okay? But, but the reality is, if you don't like how you feel, who is holding a gun to your head making you eat Twinkies? Come on. <laughs> who is keeping you from going to the gym? Who is keeping Nobody. Nobody is. That's the truth. We're making quality decisions not to get better. And here's, here's the definition of a quality decision. A quality decision is where you stand up and you say once and for all, this is what I'm going to do. That's a quality decision. And nothing changes your mind. The Bible calls it setting your face like flint. In other words, you say, this is where we're going, and this is what we're going to do, and that's how it's going to be, and you make a quality decision. It doesn't waver. It stays focused on whatever the mission is that you're trying to accomplish. You have to make a quality decision. But let me tell you something. You have to make it. Nobody can make it for you. I can't help you lose weight by me eating better. Right? I mean, if that was the way it is, <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Mark, I know you're going to be at the gym today. Would you mind taking a couple extra laps for me, you know? Just to, you know, a couple extra push-ups. Come on. It doesn't work that way. You have to make a quality decision, and then you have to follow through. But I want you to understand something. A lot of times when you decide to go against the flow for a while, you're going to be by yourself. It's hard to do. It's so much easier just to go along with the crowd. And there's loneliness involved in stepping out, guys. You know, a, a pastor I used to serve for, Pastor Jim down in Victoria, grew up in a Catholic family, a practicing Catholic family. When he became a Christian at the age of 17, his family asked him to leave the house. Asked him to leave the house. He loved his parents. His parents loved him. But they said, if you're not going to be a practicing Catholic, we don't want you to be in our household. He had to leave home. Do you think it was lonely doing that? Absolutely. But now... Over time, his family's changed, and, and God's moved in that family. But for a long time, it was very, very difficult for him. Think about the commitment that that takes. How committed are you? How committed are you making changes in your life and in your family? When Hezekiah stepped out, many of the religious leaders were even unwilling to follow him. But Hezekiah never bent. He was committed to do what God wanted him to do. Here's number three. Faith in God. Hezekiah believed that God would bless his efforts. Hezekiah believed that God would bless his efforts. Hezekiah believed God would honor him because God's word says, if you'll serve me, I'll honor you. If you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And Hezekiah stepped out and said, God, I'm going to keep you at your word. I'm going to start a series here in a few weeks called The Blessed Life. There's a guy named Robert Morris down at Gateway Church, an amazing church. And we're going to talk about what it takes to have a truly blessed life. And there is sacrifice involved in that. But I want to have a blessed life. 
And so I'm going to study that out, and I'm going to come in here and talk to you about some of those things. But I want you to know, you're not going to have a blessed life until you step out and trust God's word and do what he says. There are different areas that you can talk about that. But if God says to do something and you choose not to, don't be surprised when blessing doesn't follow you. And I'm going to tell you why. God is all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. God knows everything. But there's some things that God can't do. Does that surprise you? There are some things that God can't do. God cannot change. God can't change. God will never go against his word. If he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Period. And he cannot go against his word. I mean, God doesn't wake up in the morning and go, man, I had some bad pizza yesterday, and I think I'm going to change this decision. That doesn't happen. He never changes. God never changes his mind. And so Hezekiah knew that, and he believed that, so he looked at God's promises and said, God, your word says this, so I'm going to do this. Even though everybody else is going against me, I'm going to trust your word. And he stepped out, and when he did that, God began to bless him. Let me tell you the end result of your faithfulness, the end result of your commitment. 2 Chronicles 29, verse 36. Because what happened is so the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. They cleaned out the temple, first month. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. Think about this. Ahaz had, had led the country down this horrible path for years. And just to give you a clue, when I say he led them down a horrible path, these are some of the things that Ahaz did. They sacrificed babies. Ahaz led them down the road that did that. They killed babies. And there was a curse on the land because of the, just how far away these guys had gone from what they knew to be true. Some of those challenges we face in our country today. So the service of the house of the Lord, then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that all of a sudden as they began just immediately, as soon as they turned and started making the right decisions, God began to bless them. That is amazing. Some of you right now are living in a place where, man, if things have been bad and they've been bad so long, you don't know if it can ever change. And I want you to know something, that if you will immediately turn to God, he will meet you right there. He will meet you right where you are. He can make changes right now. He just needs you to help him out a little bit because he can't go against his word. If you're living in sin and doing the wrong things and you don't have the blessing of God in your life, understand God's not mad at you, but he can't go against his word. You have to line up with his word. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It means you have to be committed and you have to give him your heart and you have to get to the place where he can move in. I want you to know, when Hezekiah became and understood that he was going to have faith in God, he had to trust that God's word was true. Do you believe God's word? Do you believe when the Bible says that if you'll give 10%, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing? Let me tell you, let me just give you a clue here. Some of you are going, man, he's preaching hard today. I'm just preaching the word. Some of you may not be tithing, and the reason you're not tithing is because you don't believe that God's going to honor his word. And you say, well, that sounds pretty simplistic. It's the truth. Because if you believe God would honor his word, if you believe that, you would do it because he would open up the window in heaven and pour out a blessing. I mean, does that make sense? 
It really is that simple. And yet there are things in our life that we don't do, and then we don't know why we're not blessed. And it's because we're going against God's word. We have to line it up. Hezekiah understood that, and he realized if there were going to be changes, he was going to have to trust that God was going to do what God said he was going to do because he was all by himself. And so that's what he began to do. Here's number four. Hezekiah had criticism. (laughs) Hezekiah had criticism. Have you ever been criticized by anybody in your life? Anybody? You ever been criticized before? Come on. You know, you, you took a stand, stand about an issue and people started talking smack. Smack means, you know, trouble. Sorry, needed to have a filter on there. But they start talking about you and they start criticizing what you're going to do. Look at uh, chapter 30, verse 36 there. Hezekiah begins to make the changes, and what happened is he said, you know what? Man, the temple, 30 days, we got it ready. Now we need to have Passover. We need to have a revival. So what he did is he got these guys together, these runners. He got these people ready, and he said, all right, I want you to go out all over Israel into every city and every town. Tell the people to come here. We're going to celebrate Passover. We're having a revival. And so he sent these runners out everywhere. These guys just take off and said, man, you guys need to come back. We're going we're gonna to have a revival. So the runners passed from city to city, verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 10, chapter 30, verse 10. So the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun. But what happened? They laughed at them and mocked them. <laughs> they said, what? What do you mean, turn back to God? What do, what do you mean, all these changes in your life. What do you mean? Because some of you right now are dealing with that. You've really made a commitment to God. You've really made a commitment that you're going to live for God and do the right thing. And there are people going, whatever. It'll never last. Right? Yeah, they're committed to God this week, but in two weeks, eh. You know, let me tell you something. I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little passionate about this. If I did what everybody thought they ought to do, I'd never get anything done. Right? There's some of you mad right now because I'm wearing blue jeans. Come on. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. (laughs) But the reality is everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion, don't they? Everybody has has the ability to criticize people. I'm going to give you an example. This is how I know everybody has an opinion. On the count of three, I'm going to go one, two, three, uh. When I go uh, I want everybody in here to say what your favorite color is. Okay, think about it. Think about what your favorite color is. One, two, three. Let's try that again. One, two, three. I understood not one word. (laughs) I didn't understand any one color. Now everybody say blue on the count of three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Let me tell you something. Everybody has an opinion, don't they? But until we all get into unity, nobody's going to hear anything but a bunch of noise. Nobody's going to hear anything but a bunch of noise. Until we all get focused on what God's called us to do as a church and what God's called us to do as a family, all it is is a bunch of noise. Wow. I want you to think about that. 
Think about that in your own family. Think about that in your own life. And recognize that everybody has an opinion about what you should be doing and where you should be. And if you try to run around and please everybody, you're not going to get anything done. And you're just going to wear yourself out. So what you need to do is line up with what God says. Say, God, what's your favorite color? And you need to get your lined up, your will lined up with what God's will is for your life. How about that? They laughed and mocked at them. They said, man, this isn't going to turn into anything. You guys are talking about having a revival. I don't see it. You know, we're going to just keep doing what they're doing. But the Bible tells us that a remnant went out there. You know, God always keeps a remnant of people. And the remnant came. Let me tell you something else that uh, Hezekiah had to learn. Number five on your notes. Hezekiah recognized that if he was going to be committed to God, if he was going to change his life and change his country, there was going to be some things that were required. Number five is hard work and money. Hard work and money. The king gave up time, energy, and the budget to reach the goal. Let me tell you something. That's what it takes in your life. You have to recognize that if you're going to make some changes in your life, if you're going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, it's going to take hard work. How many of you like to work hard? Come on. Three of you. No, there's a bunch of people. Raise their hand. Let me tell you what. If you're going to make changes in your life and in your family, it's going to be hard work. Just understand that. Being a Christian and walking and being the person that God wants you to be is hard work. And it takes that. It takes that commitment. The other thing you need to understand, if you're going to become the person that God wants you to be, if we as a church are become the church that God wants us to be, it's going to take money. I'm going to sit down with the board tonight, and we're going to talk about this new building and the different things that we're going to do. Guess what? It's going to take money. And the way you measure your commitment and how much you care about things, how much hard work you're willing to do, and how much money you're willing to commit to it. You know, you hear me say all the time, and it's kind of funny, and I thought it was funny that Robert Morris said this the other night in his talk. He said, your checkbook and your heart are attached. And he said, you know how I know? And he said what I say to you guys. If somebody reaches to steal your wallet, you have a heart attack. Come on. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Somebody reaches in, tries to take your wallet, you have a fit. That's because where your treasure is is where your heart is. Isn't it interesting sometimes where we keep our treasure in our pocket? That's where your heart's at, too. You have to recognize that you need to have your focus and your energy and your time focused on what God wants you to do. All right, so hard work and money. Here's number six. Hezekiah recognized that uh, if he was going to be successful, if he was going to truly make long-term change, he was going to have to have daily discipline in his life. Daily discipline in his life. Now, you're gonna, I'm going to ask you a question, and you're not going to have to raise your hand, and you're not going to have to respond to me at all. But here's what I want you to answer this question to yourself. How many of you this week spent more than one day reading your Bible? Just think about it. Okay? All right, put your hands down. Now, I don't want you to answer this out loud to everybody, this next one. How many of you spent at least five days this week in your Bible? So what that means is most of us didn't spend any time. Some of you, the only time you've opened up your Bible was because of what you're reading on the screen. And you're thinking, well, well, Pastor, that seems pretty harsh. Listen, it goes back to if you truly want to make changes in your life, it's going to require you to commit to it. And if you're going to commit to it, it's going to take discipline. And the Bible tells us that nobody likes discipline. 
Nobody likes discipline. But the end result of discipline is prosperity. The end result of discipline is success. And if you want to be successful in your life, you're going to have to get some disciplines in your life because it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen. You're not going to wake up one morning and be Superman or Superwoman. It takes time and it takes process and it takes commitment. So my question is, are you committed to God? Are you involved in daily daily discipline? The most successful people you know, the people that you respect the most, almost without exception, are people that have discipline in their lives. They are. Think about it. Think right now about some people that you love and respect and are successful. They're very disciplined people. And it may not mean they do everything perfectly, but they're disciplined at what they're going to do. They work hard at it. Here's my last point. Hezekiah endured and recognized that if he was going to be successful in his life, he was going to have to deal with constant pressure. He was going to have to deal with constant pressure. He endured the pressure of potential failure and misunderstanding. He endured the pressure of potential failure and misunderstanding. He was willing to be criticized. He was willing to have everybody talk about him and be mocked. He was willing to put up with constant pressure. Let me tell you something that I've learned about leadership. Leadership means you learn to deal with pressure. I mean, you guys would crack up at some of the things people talk to me about during the week about things they think I ought to do. I mean, it really is. Some of it's pretty funny. And, and the different things about the opinions and, and the different, di- different deals and ideas. Let me tell you something that I've learned. If I'm going to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God, I have to recognize that pressure is just part of what I'm going to live under. And if you're going to be successful in your life, you need to recognize that pressure is just going to happen. If you don't want pressure in your life, then get out of the way. If you don't want to be successful, if you don't want to be successful, then just keep doing what you're doing and just flow down the stream with everybody else. And let me tell you something, though. You will be one of those people that will look back on your life and you will live with regret. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. And if it means swimming upstream, then we swim upstream. But here's the end result of what Hezekiah did. Here's what happened. As he began to swim and paddle upstream, people started turning around and swimming upstream with him. And pretty soon he looked around and there was this whole flotilla with him. There were all these people that said, you know what? Life can be better. We can be a community that's changed. God can move in our midst. And they began to make the decision together. And pretty soon they had this amazing family and revival began to spread. And all of a sudden, people began to be excited. And in two months, their whole generation changed. Two months. Think about that. 60 days. Guys, that's an amazing fact. Years and decades of Israel being in sin and falling apart and being beat up by everybody around them. And these people decided no more. And they drove a stake in the ground and they said, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to do it God's way. And in two months, the entire country turned around. Two months. Don't tell me that one person can't make a difference. Don't ever tell me that. But if nobody stands up, if nobody stands up and we just throw our hands up, nothing changes. I am not willing. I'm not willing to do that. 
And I want to tell you, you've got to look in your own life. And it starts at home, folks. It starts at home. You have to be willing to stand up and say, you know what, guys, as a family, we're going to live the way God wants us to live. We're going to be committed to the principles of God. And you've got to stick it out. And then at work or school or wherever you are, you have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to stand up. And if you will just make that shift, make that turn, God will meet you right there. But I want to tell you something. Stop griping about stuff and do something about it. Let's stand up. We have seen, we have no excuse. If there was ever a church that didn't have an excuse for being the church that God called them to be, it's us. I mean, who can deny that God's moved in our church in the last year and a half? If you have, you're crazy. God has moved, but he is not done. And there are some of you that he's beginning to speak to your heart about doing different things. But he's saying, look, if you're going to be the person that I've called you to be, then you're going to have to make some changes in your life. But if you'll make those changes, I will be there. And in a very short period of time, and I'm being prophetic right now, some of you are waiting on God, and God is waiting on you. And you need to turn right now and say, all right, God, we're going to do it your way. And even if I stumble and fall, even if I make mistakes, see, Hezekiah, (laughs) I love this. Hezekiah was so excited about what was going on, he called the Passover in the wrong month. In other words, all the religious people got mad at him. And God forgave him for that because of his heart. God knows you're going to make mistakes. He knows you're going to make mistakes. But if you'll turn and you'll start walking towards him and just take one little baby step at a time, one little baby step, if you'll begin to do that, he will move in your life and he will meet you at the point of your need and he will do amazing things in your life. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen quicker than you expect. But you're going to have to step. Do you hear me this morning? Do you hear me? I mean, we're seeing what can happen. So don't give me an excuse that you came from a bad family. Don't give me an excuse that your life up to this point has been really bad. I'm sorry. We've all got stuff. Anybody got stuff? Come on. You got stuff in your past? Let me tell you something. God uses people with stuff in their past. That's just the way he works. So get over it. Get your hammer out. Let me see your hammer. Come on. Everybody hold your hammer up. Get your nail. Do this. What you're doing right now is building a bridge. Now build a bridge and get over it. (laughs) Stop using the excuse mama did, daddy did, ex-husband did, I did. God is not limited by that. Hezekiah had every excuse in the world not to accomplish God's will for his life, but he said no. He said, I'm going to do what God said. And it changed the country in two months. Some of you are saying, Pastor, my family's in bad shape. Pastor, my finances are in bad shape. Pastor, my physical health, whatever, fill in the blank. Turn towards God. He will meet you right now. He will meet you at the point of your need right now. And he's going to help you right now. Don't wait. Stop whining. No little, that was a fiddle, (laughs) okay? I used to have a friend growing up, and somebody would start whining. He said, would you like some cheese with your wine? (laughs) 
Stop whining. Build a bridge and get over it. You've got to get past your past, and you've got to move on towards the the future that God's called you to. And I'm saying this is our church as well, because here's the deal. Jesus said nobody that puts their hand on their plow and looks back is worthy of the kingdom of God. Do you notice he didn't say looks back at the bad things or the good things? You can't look back to what you did in high school 25 years ago as a quarterback. Sorry, that will not help you. Okay, all the things that happened yesterday are great, but they're behind you. Jesus said, you got to be focused on what lies ahead. And as a church, we rejoice in the success that we've had. But God has called us to do more. God has called us to change this region. You know how we're going to change this country? We're going to change this country by changing our community. We're going to get people saved, lead them to the healing presence of God. They're going to become the people that God's called them to be. And our community is going to change. And when our community changes, our region's going to change. And when our region changes, the state's going to change. And when the state changes, the country's going to change. That's how it's going to happen. Amen? Thank you. But here's the deal. You have to be willing to make that commitment yourself. Because when Hezekiah stepped out, he was all by himself. In my opinion, this isn't in a commentary anywhere, this is my opinion. Hezekiah's greatest trait was that he believed God. He believed God. When nobody else would, he said, God, your word says, and therefore I'm going to step out. I want you to know something. That's where you've got to get in your life. God, your word says, so from this day forward, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to become the person that you want me to be with your help, and heaven will change. God will move heaven and earth to meet you at the point of your need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're God. I thank you that you're real. Lord, I thank you that your word tells us that you loved us so much that Jesus died for us. Lord, I also thank you that you love us so much not to leave us where we are. You love us so much that you're not, you're not going to allow us to stay in the areas that are broken in our lives. But you're going to help mend us up and heal us and help us become the people that we're supposed to be. Lord, I pray right now that you're dealing with our hearts. You're dealing with me right now. Lord, that you called us all to be great people. Lord, you've got a plan for each of our lives, every one of us. And your word says it's a good plan. It's a plan to give us a future and a hope. But Father, you need us to partner with you because you can't do it without us being a part of it. And you paid the price. Jesus paid the way. Right now, I know that this is speaking to everybody. I know this is speaking to everybody. And you're looking right now, and you're looking at areas in your life that you know you've got challenges. Some of you may be dealing with pornography. Some of you, your business, you're facing challenges in your business. You don't even know how you're going to make payroll next week. Some of you are dealing with physical challenges right now. Whatever the situation is that you're facing, God is enough. He's the great I am. Who can help you with your finances? God can. Who can help you restore your family? God can, and he wants to. Who can help you physically? God can. 
So whatever the need is that you're facing right now, wherever you are in your life, today is your day to lay it at his feet and say, Lord, like Hezekiah, I'm going to step out and I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to make a quality decision to follow you. No matter what the pressure is, no matter what the pain is, no matter what my past is, good or bad, Lord, I'm going to trust you today. So I'll put our hands on our hearts this morning. Now listen, I'm going to pray and I want you to repeat this. But if you don't mean it, don't pray it. But if you really today, you mean this. I want you to pray it with me. Father, today, you know my heart. You know the challenges that I face. I want to be the person that you created me to be. But Lord... I've made mistakes. I've sinned against you. I need your help. Please forgive me. Help me be the person that you created me to be. Today, I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to know that we're coming up on a season of commitment as a church. And the reason I wanted to start with this is that to accomplish what God's called us to do, it's going to take commitment. It's going to take us stepping up to the next level. Because, guys, we're a good church, but I want us to be a great church. I want us to be a great church. And if we're going to be a great church, we're going to have to do things and step up and do things. And I want you to know it's going to require all of us to do that. Amen? Would you stand real quick? I'm going to pray over you and dismiss you. Lord, we thank you for this day and for this season of Thanksgiving, Father. We're so thankful for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us as we go today. Be with each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. It's hard to say that I'd rather stay
Is they say.